0: Chris Cuomo is suspended from CNN indefinitely after new revelations about how he used his position to help his brother. CNBC's Jim Cramer says Joe Biden should force vaccines on everyone, and the Democrats still won't pay their bills. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. For peace of mind, whenever you go online, visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. Here is a reality. Gold has always been that which man has sought across the oceans in fairy tales. It's always somebody looking for a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow rather than a pot of government bonds. And the reason for that is because gold has never been worth zero. It is the universal currency. And that is why at a time of, I would say, increasing economic turmoil, you might look to diversify at least a little bit into precious metals, whether The left is looking at your accounts or taxing your unrealized gains. There's no shortage to their creativity in grabbing your money. One of the ways you can protect yourself, invest in precious metals. I've said it before, I will say it again. You're making a mistake if you're not diversifying your savings. I buy my precious metals from Birch Gold. It's the only company I trust and recommend. When you buy gold from Birch Gold by December 23rd, they will send you free gold for every $10,000 you purchase. With thousands of satisfied customers and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your savings. Today, text Ben to 474747 to claim eligibility for their free gold with purchase offer by December 23rd. You know, one thing that's never been worth zero. No, not Lehman Brothers. That's been worth zero. Gold. Text Ben to 474747. 47 47. Protect your savings today. Alrighty, so the most trusted name in news has now at long last suspended Chris Cuomo. And what's weird about the suspension of Chris Cuomo is it's not like we didn't know this stuff. We've known for months and months and months that Chris Cuomo was basically advising his brother while simultaneously covering his brother on television with regard to COVID. Again, we got the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour with the governor, the Love Gov, He literally called him his his own brother, the LoveGov on national TV, while his brother was shipping COVID positive elderly people back into nursing homes, killing all of them, and then suggesting that they had not died, or at least if they had died, they had not died inside nursing homes, underestimating the number of nursing home deaths by thousands in the state of New York. He was not ousted from that position. Because he had killed all the old people in New York, he was ousted from his position as governor because Letitia James, the very aggressive attorney general who had her eye on his gubernatorial mansion, decided to issue a report without a prosecution, suggesting that he likes to play grab ass with every woman within a 32-mile radius. And Chris Cuomo was trying to help his brother cover that up, track down some of the women who were making the accusations, spin the media on his behalf. So there were new revelations that came out on this. Thanks again to Letitia James, who's, uh, who's... Unbridled ability to simply throw out Chum in order to smear the guy so she can grab his seat it's it's pretty it's pretty spectacular. I will say it's pretty naked in its ambition. Well, now Chris Cuomo is on the outs at CNN. Why? Because presumably he has smeared the level of trust you once held in CNN. Now, let me just say this about trust my trust in in CNN <laughs> Wait you got you guys thought that like I trusted you guys? Like you think that this undermines my like you really, you think that for a huge number of Americans, their trust in CNN was shaken by Chris Cuomo hobnobbing with his brother? Really? Like Don Lemon follows that guy on TV. Anderson Cooper is on your network. Jim Acosta is your White House reporter. I'm pretty sure that our trust in CNN was relatively gone by the time we got to Chris Cuomo hanging out with his bro. But you have to at least maintain appearances over at CNN. And so now CNN has suspended Cuomo over new details that were revealed this week about the amount of help he allegedly provided to his brother. They pretended these were all new revelations. They really were not. Here is CNN releasing its statement via Anderson Cooper, the the wolf husky who appears on that network nightly. Here's a statement released tonight from a CNN spokesperson, quote, The New York Attorney General's Office released transcripts and exhibits Monday that shed new light on Chris Cuomo's involvement in his brother's defense. The documents, which we were not privy to before their public release, raised serious questions. The spokesperson continued, quote, When Chris admitted to us that he had offered advice to his brother's staff, he broke our rules, and we acknowledged that publicly. But we also appreciated the unique position he was in and understood his need to put family first and jobs second. However, these documents point to a greater level of involvement in his brother's efforts than we previously knew, the spokesperson added. As a result, we have suspended Chris indefinitely, pending further evaluation. Okay, so they're just lying. I don't believe them at all. My guess is that they are lying even about this. The the, the baseline idiocy that they had no idea how involved Chris was is really, really silly. They probably knew on a general level how involved Chris was. The other thing that happened here is that it embarrassed them. It embarrassed them, and so they decided to suspend him indefinitely. For his part, Chris Cuomo has a radio show on Sirius XM. He said, the game has rules. One of the general principles is you can fight against the other party. You can fight against the media, but only if you have your party. Andrew had his party enforcing a rule against him that if you have accusations, you have problems. You don't really get to vet the accusations. You don't get to go against your accusers. And Chris Cuomo said that his brother's resignation was forced in part because he had Republicans hating him and because the media never really liked him. He said that was too much. That's why he had to resign. Yes, I'm sure it was the Republicans who forced it, Chris. Okay, So it seems to me that there is only one way back into the good graces of CNN for Chris Cuomo. He has to masturbate on a Zoom call in front of his colleagues. That, that is that is the pathway back to glory, as we know from from Jeffrey Tubin. So good news. I feel like Chris Cuomo doesn't have tons of limits on that sort of stuff. So so you never know. You never know. You might see him back on on CNN sooner rather than later. Meanwhile, other members of the media coming out in sort of quasi defense of Chris Cuomo, Sunny Hostin over on The View, doing her best to try and rehabilitate the guy. Do you think he did anything illegal? I mean, does it feel- That I don't know. You're the lawyer. You tell me. <laughs> I, you know, that that's the thing. I think it comes down to it doesn't feel right. It seems unseemly, yeah. Yeah. right? But is it illegal? I don't think so. I think he's a brother. He he wanted to help his brother. Yeah. Um, I think certainly there is an ethical issue when it comes to journalism. Oh, okay. So yeah, he didn't commit a crime. So I guess it's okay now or something. Remember, CNN spends every waking moment watching Fox News and covering the media malfeasance on Fox News. So I wonder if last night they covered Fox News, covering CNN completely imploding over Chris Cuomo, who, again, they put on the air covering his own brother for like months and months and months in the middle of a pandemic where his brother was completely botching it in the state with the biggest outbreak in the country at the time. Really impressive, impressive stuff. And this, again, goes to the level of trust that Americans have in the media, which is to say almost none. And that Distrust is well justified at this point. We'll get to more on that in just a moment. First, let's talk about the underwear that currently graces your tuchus, the underwear upon this magnificent tuchus, I can tell you, Tommy John underwear. And now Tommy John's Cyber Monday sale is officially extended. Why? Because you deserve an extra day to go back For the comfy loungewear underwear and pajamas you forgot to grab earlier, when you start your day wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. Shop Tommy John's extended Cyber Monday sale right now. Give the gift of comfort to everyone on your list, including yourself with Tommy John's men's and women's loungewear. With over 16 million pairs sold, giving the gift of Tommy John underwear and loungewear has become a holiday tradition for families all across the country. 97% of women and men love getting a gift from Tommy John, which is why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. I love my Tommy John underwear. Again, the only type of underwear I own, I threw out all the others because they are just that good. Plus, everything they make is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free. Guarantee. During Tommy John's extended Cyber Monday sale, get 20% off site-wide, plus free shipping at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping for a limited time only at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Order now so your gifts arrive before the holidays. TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. All righty, so again, the level of systemic distrust that we have in the media is well justified at this point. Jason Riley has a good piece over at the Wall Street Journal talking about how the media have suddenly discovered colorblindness again when it comes to Waukesha. He says, in the aftermath of George Floyd's death last year, employers offered black workers time off to deal with the news. UCLA suspended a professor who refused to grade his supposedly traumatized black students more leniently than their non-black peers. Such gestures may have been well-meaning, but they were also nonsensical and reeked of condescension. Are black psyches really this fragile? Are blacks so starved for exemplars that miscreants must be treated like martyrs? Should Floyd's death matter more to them than the huge number of black homicides that don't involve police? And why would people who aren't black be any less disturbed by a video showing a police officer kneeling on the neck of a defenseless suspect for nine minutes? The protests that followed Floyd's death rested on two assumptions. The first is that Floyd, a career criminal and drug addict, was somehow representative of black America, which is not only false, but deeply insulting. The second, says Jason Riley, is that police acted out of racial animus, which has never been proven. This is what happens when racial identity becomes the centerpiece of politics and public life in a multiracial democracy. The political left often pretends to pine for a post-racial America, but that's the last thing it really wants. People who are are, are, people who are interested in a post-racial America don't name their organization Black Lives Matter or welcome racial propaganda like the 1619 Project into elementary schools. They don't advocate racial preferences. They don't call for white people who are never slaveholders to pay reparations to black people who are never slaves. The Biden administration, says Jason Riley has picked up where Obama left off. The unwarranted racialization of the Kyle Rittenhouse saga, which concerned one white man shooting three other white people, was a clumsy attempt by President Biden and his allies to further a narrative about bias in the criminal justice system. The same press outlets that portrayed Rittenhouse as a white supremacist have had remarkably little to say about the racial identity of Daryl Brooks, the black suspect in Wisconsin who was accused of plowing his car through an annual Christmas parade last month and killing six people, including an eight-year-old boy, all of whom were white. Given the suspect's history of posting messages on social media that called for violence against white people and praised Hitler for killing Jews, you'd think his race and the race of his victims would be relevant to reporters. Race is all anybody would be talking about if a white man had slammed his vehicle into a parade full of black people. Yet suddenly, the left has gone colorblind. Liberals want us to believe that racial disparities in police shootings and incarceration rates stem from a bias system and have little to do with racial disparities in criminality. They want to talk about so-called hate crimes that involve white assailants and black victims, but not those involving black assailants and white or Asian victims. They want headlines to read, white cop shoots black suspect," even when there's no evidence the encounter was racially motivated. This is playing with fire. Says Glenn Lowry the Brown University Economist, once we go down this road and get into the habit of racializing such events, we may not be able to contain that racialization. This, of course, is exactly right. But this is why nobody trusts the media because we can all see the agenda. The agenda is absolutely crystal clear at this point. Okay, and the fact that it is so crystal clear is why it doesn't really matter if you get rid of Chris Cuomo. You can get rid of all the Chris Cuomos. It's not going to matter. We all know the game at this point. It is not as though there is anything hidden here. Meanwhile, transparency in the media, it's getting worse. So Twitter announced yesterday that they're going to ban sharing of private people's photos or videos without consent. The social media platform says it will remove private media when it is reported by a person depicted or authorized representative. Okay, we used to call that in some cases reporting because what happens if you videotape some sort of incident in public that involves a private person and that incident is actually newsworthy. So a lot of the video is not. A lot of it's like, Here's a Karen, and the Karen isn't actually a Karen, it's just a lady who is walking her dog in, in Central Park or something, and then calls the police because a guy is acting weird and threatening. Okay, but some of these videos actually are kind of relevant. But according to the Wall Street Journal, Twitter said users will no longer be able to share private media, such as photos and videos, of another person without their permission. Twitter said the misuse of private media can affect everyone. It can have a disproportionate effect on women, activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities. So now we are, we are to... We are, we are now to believe that the widespread dissemination of videos that are newsworthy must be suppressed on behalf of women activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities. Okay, This is not an a unbiased, free exchange of ideas public town hall. Okay, now it is just the elites at Twitter deciding what you should and should not see. Twitter said it can take enforcement action when private media is posted without the consent of someone included in it. It said the change is part of its work to align its safety policies with human rights standards and better prevent so-called doxing, the publishing of private information with malicious intent. But this policy seems to be too broad. Now, they are saying that the policy wouldn't apply to images or videos taken from large public events like sporting events or protests. But how much newsworthy stuff happens that's not a sporting event or protest? A lot. Emerson Brooking, senior fellow at the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, tweeted it's basically an anti-doxing rule, which is fine, but it's written so broadly, most anyone can lodge a complaint against anybody. So should you be concerned about the bottlenecking of information? I am. Especially because, again, all this does is it just means whoever has the biggest loudspeaker is the person who wins. And if you control who can use that loudspeaker, It makes it very difficult to challenge the legacy media's narratives, which sort of seems to be the point. Meanwhile, the media doing their best to rehabilitate the Biden administration. So the New York Times published a piece, I'm not kidding, called Jill Biden's White House Christmas looks very normal. You won't find any blood red trees this year. This is the important stuff, according to the media, because remember that uh, Melania Trump had put up some red trees. And this, of course, was it showed that she was basically a child of the devil, because of course, the devil likes red. And the Christmas trees were red. And this means that she is very, very bad. But Joe Biden, who is a doctor, let me tell you, she has put up regular Christmas trees. And this means that she is an amazing person. According to the New York Times, gone are the blood red trees. Gone are the icy sparkling boughs and the imagery of a woman isolated in a winter wonderland or horror story, depending on your point of view. In their place, white and red striped knit stockings with green heels dangling brightly from a hearth family photos, handwritten thank you notes, and an arch of presents in bright red boxes. The Biden White House Christmas decor unveiled on Monday isn't nearly as stylized or surreal as the Trump-endorsed looks that preceded them. Oh, it's plenty cheerful and sparkly, but in the context of recent White House holiday styles, it's positively accessible. Why eh, They're people of the people, don't you see? Joe Biden is a person of the people. She's just, she's one of you, the little people. And her stylistic choices are a return to normalcy as opposed to the evil Trumps. Like, remember when we had like a booming economy and pretty much everybody was free to do what they wanted without mask and vaccine mandates and all that? Yeah, that was bad because there were red Christmas trees. Now there are green Christmas trees and everything is great. According to the New York Times, in this, the White House is fully in line with the tactile, unpretentious image that the current first couple likes to project. That's what they are. They are tactile and unpretentious. When I think about Jill and Joe Biden, I think about accessible people who are definitely people of the people, not people who got very wealthy off their political background and or sending their bagman hunter to trot around the globe, picking up cash. No, 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 they're they are like us. They're like us. Celebrities, they're just like you. The president and first lady, just like us. That's literally what it says. It's a, I swear to God, I had not read that line and now I just did in the New York Times. The president and first lady, just like us. Their home is your home only a little more so. It did, after all, require 6,000 feet of ribbon, over 300 candles, more than 10,000 ornaments, and about 78,750 holiday lights to dress the White House for the holidays, according to the office of the First Lady. That may sound extravagant, but like Dr. Jill Biden herself, I'm never going to get over the fact that the media acquiesced to Jill Biden's demand that they call her Dr. Jill based on her doctorate in education. I'm never going to get over that. Honest to God. Like, can you imagine if Melania Trump had said, I need you to call me by X title, and the title was just something that had nothing to do with the actual role of, say, a doctor? You think the media would have gone along with that? Did they do it with Dr. Sebastian Gorka? Is that something they liked to do with Dr. Gorka? But now it's like, oh, you know, Joe Biden insists we call her doctor, even though, man, if you're having a heart attack and Joe Biden approaches you to give you a community college lecture, uh, you are in serious trouble, my friend. I I love how they just go right along with it. The the propaganda, the Pravda wing of the Democratic Party here. The New York Times says, that may sound extravagant, but like Dr. Jill Biden herself, whose unofficial job it is to oversee the decoration, the effect was rather homey. Social media categorized it as normal. Whether the response was complimentary or pejorative, it nodded to part of her husband's campaign cell, a return to normalcy after the turbulence and extremes of the Trump years. Since his election, it's been an underlying theme, a foundational element of Build Back Better. For the holidays, it's gifts from the heart trillion dollar gifts from the heart that's why christmas at the white house is such a useful moment of pageantry says the new york times especially at a time when the usual communicative ceremonies of office state dinners white house tours are on hold i love the fact that they are they're going to have to they're telling you the substitute for things being normal which they totally are by the way in large swaths of the country down here in florida guess what life's normal we ain't running things like joe biden's white house but up at the white house everything is closed and Joe Biden is still masking up occasionally in front of the cameras to demonstrate that he loves masks and then taking off cameras when he's actually not in camera view, he thinks., okay, but but things are very abnormal there. But at least we have the look of normalcy inside the White House, says the New York Times. Dr. Biden's office said she had been working on the decoration since late May. Like, really? Late May? It's like November, man. Really it took you. It took you like, Just counting the months here, it took you June, July, August, September, and October. It took you five months and most of November. So it took you like six months to come up with decorations that just look like normal Christmas decorations. Between this administration delegating their secretary of transportation in the middle of a supply chain crisis to paternity leave to care for, I guess, his ailing husband who had suffered no actual physical harm in the birthing of the child and Dr. Joe Biden spending six months on Christmas decorations. What do they, honest to God, what do they do around there? Sir, I mean, aside from Joe Biden, like Edith Wilson, sort of, I guess, manipulating her husband's hand into signing papers. Well, what exactly do they do around the White House? Decking the halls is one of the few widely shared or at least widely recognized rituals we have, says the New York Times. That's useful. Most people can relate. It's why Melania Trump's choices caused so much controversy. Some, especially late night TV hosts, found her alley of unnatural trees alienating. Others saw them as aspirational, if unachievable. And it's why the fact that the Biden look is so unremarkable is itself worth remarking on, apparently over the course of several thousand words. It's a hard balancing act to pull off, walking the fine line between fancy and folksy, between representing the republic to the most polished degree and relating to the republic, not just politically, but visually. Yet it's a look that has come to define Dr. Biden's style. As a person who has a wife, who went through medical school, I'm just gonna say, it drives me up a wall. That I'm, I'm not gonna get over it, guys, I'm just not. They keep calling her Dr. Biden over and over and over in this article. They've called her Dr. Biden more than I call my wife a doctor on this show, which is a hell of a lot. The difference is my wife's an actual doctor. It's a look that has come to define Dr. Biden's style, which can pretty much be summed up in the dress she wore to her Christmas hostess duties. A short-sleeved, full-skirted forest green, Oscar de la Renta number splashed with white magnolias. That is a woman of the people dress. A similar style is available for $3,900 at Saks. Woman of the people, $4,000 dress. $4,000 dress. Okay, um, we do well in my family, my wife being an actual doctor and all. And um, and my wife has never worn a $4,000 dress unless we were talking about like her wedding. And I, I'm pretty sure her wedding dress did not cost $4,000. So she's just what people of the people here. They're, they're just, these are, the media are working overtime to try and spin and massage this administration into something worthwhile. And they're having a hard time doing it. But again, this is why when Chris Cuomo gets suspended at CNN, it's like, okay, yeah, what about all the rest of you? All the rest of you. It's like all the unbiased journalists who are not Chris Cuomo, take one step forward. Sorry, not so fast. Any of you take one step back again. Seriously. Says the New York Times, like them, Dr. Biden understands the decoration of her house, of her person, is a tool at her disposal. But unlike them, she is using it to normalize what is, by any account, an abnormal time, just like the way she is using tinsel and turtle doves. They are secular expressions of the faith, family, and friendship described in the welcome letter of the commemorative 2021 White House Holiday Guide, everyday examples of the things, sometimes as simple as favorite shirt dresses and poinsettias, that unite us. Yes, nothing unites us like spending six months planning Christmas decorations. Well, people can't get actual gifts for their kids for Christmas because of your supply chain crisis. Can't pay for gas at the pump. Are suffering from another round of COVID lockdowns. And at least, but here's the thing: it's a return to normalcy because Doctor Joe Biden, the greatest of all doctors, other than Doctor J, she she has a thirty nine hundred dollar Oscar de la Renta dress, so she is a woman of the people. Now, here's the thing: none of this is going to play with the American public. You can try to massage this into reality, media. But you're going to have a real problem because people are still feeling the fact that the country is in serious and dire trouble. You know who knows this? The White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about getting your special someone a gift she is going to treasure forever. Let's talk about diamonds and fine jewelry from Blue Nile. So I got my wife for Hanukkah a gorgeous necklace from Blue Nile. It is just spectacular. Their stuff, beautiful. Their prices, excellent. Blue Nile is the world's largest retailer in certified diamonds and fine jewelry. They offer a superior buying experience, whatever you are in the market for. You can pick from a vast selection of preset diamond and gemstone jewelry. Whether you're looking for an engagement ring or everyday fine jewelry like gold layering necklace or tennis bracelets, Blue Nile has you covered. Not only that, the products will be ready to ship the same day. And if you're having trouble choosing the perfect piece, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand via phone and web chat 24-7. They've got that expert device available twenty four seven legendary service, thirty day returns. When you commit to a piece, so does Blue Nile. We've got guaranteed service and repair for life. And If you're afraid that you're getting the wrong piece of jewelry for your special someone, they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You can shop stress-free with guaranteed free shipping and 30-day returns. Make the season shine with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Shop this week. Take advantage of the Cyber Week sale with selected jewelry up to 50% off. Plus, now through Christmas, enjoy free two-day shipping. As always, each Blue Nile order is insured. It ships free. It arrives in discreet packaging that's not going to give away. The special gift for your special someone. Shop stress-free. Find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. Dot com today. Go check them out. righty. So, meanwhile, no matter the media's attempts to spin this administration into normalcy, they just can't do it. Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, he uh, admitted yesterday, we have a lot of problems on our hands. Remember that time that Joe Biden promised to return to normalcy and then decided to govern like Bernie Sanders and wreck everything? Uh, yeah, that's that's not been good. Joe Biden was elected to deal with the pandemic, to get the economy moving again. We have work to do on both. I'm not saying this is far from mission accomplished. We still have too many people dying from COVID. We still have problems with inflation, prices, gas prices. We have a lot of work to do on both fronts, but we have made significant progress already. and We're going to make a lot more progress in the months ahead. No, no, nobody believes this. So what we've got right now is the media attempting to spin the Biden administration back into the realm of normalcy and completely failing at it. And the way that they're going to try and spin the Biden administration back into normalcy is not the only way that you possibly could, which is, Joe, take your hands off the steering wheel. Like really, your hands on the steering wheel are worse than no hands on the steering wheel. Just let it go. People are gonna be okay. If you just allow people to live their lives and go back to normal, everything will go back to normal. You know how I know? Because I live in a normal place. Again, it's so funny because this show, you know, is listened to all over the country and internationally. I get letters from different parts of the country and different parts of the globe. And everybody who's living in a red state right now is going, I don't even know what Joe Biden and his chief of staff are talking about. They're talking about shutting everything down. They're talking about lockdowns and they're talking about, they're, they're talking about how everything is in crisis mode where we are, it isn't. And the only crisis we see is at the pump. The only crisis we see is in the supply chains. The only crisis that we see is in not enough people getting back into the workforce, all of which are the direct results of Joe Biden policies. But when it comes to like everyday life, like I went to a wedding last night. Nobody was masked, nobody cares. Everybody who wanted to vax is vaxed. Everybody who's not vaxed is not vaxed. End of story. We all had a great time. It was a fantastic wedding. Everybody was dancing. Everybody was eating. It was wonderful. We're all back to normal, and we don't care what Joe Biden has to say about it. Okay, but because the media are invested, not only in Joe Biden as, as a president, they don't care about Biden per se, because they're invested in a picture of top-down elite control solving all of your problems, they have to, every solution is a top-down elite control solution, which is why, As Omicron supposedly threatens the globe, you're having media members who are coming out and saying, I want top-down control, more top-down control. Last night, for example, on CNBC, Jim Cramer started ranting about how Joe Biden should force every person in the United States to get vaccinated. Yeah, good luck with that, dude. The federal government needs to require vaccines, including booster shots, for everyone in America. This charade must end. The government must require vaccinations, not of this group or that group, not company by company, not cruise ship by cruise ship or airline by airline or governor by governor. The buck stops at the White House. So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. And even then, you need to help in the war effort by staying home until we finally beat this thing. Okay, um, what does what beat this thing constitute to you, Jim Cramer? Because you know what I noticed about this variant? It didn't start in the United States. It started in, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, South Africa, which as it turns out, is quite far away from the United States where they have a vaccination rate of something like 27%. There are vast swaths of earth right now where people don't have the vax. In fact, one of the controversies over the booster is why we are boosting 18-year-olds when we could actually be using those doses to vaccinate people in the third world. And by the way, All of this panic is completely overwrought. It is completely 100% overwrought. I'm going to read you two stories now demonstrating how overwrought it is. One is from Dr. Angelique Coetzee, who's the chair of the South African Medical Association and a GP of 33 years standing. She says this, Nothing has prepared me for the extraordinary global reaction that that met my announcement this week. I had seen a young man in my surgery who had a case of COVID that turned out to be the Omicron variant. This version of the virus had been circulating in Southern Africa for some time, having previously been identified in Botswana. But given my public facing role, by announcing its presence in my own patients, I unwittingly brought it global attention. Quite simply, I've been stunned at the response, and especially from Britain. Let me be clear, nothing I have seen about this new variant warrants the extreme action the UK government has taken in response to it. No one in South Africa is known to have been hospitalized with Omicron, nor is anyone here believed to have been fallen seriously ill with it. This is the person who discovered it. And she's like, no one's ill. No one's in the hospital. What the F are you all talking about? She says, yet Britain and other European nations have reacted with heavy travel restrictions on flights from across Southern Africa, as well as imposing tighter rules at home on mask wearing fines and quarantines. The simple truth is, we don't know anywhere near enough about Omicron to make such judgments or to impose such policies. We've been accustomed here to new COVID variants. So when our scientists discovered Yet another, nobody made a huge thing of it. Many people didn't even notice. Okay, so th- this is the person who discovered it. She's the head of the South African Medical Association. And she's like, um, guys, no one's sick. It doesn't matter. Our media and the Western media in general have to incentivize politicians toward control. It is about the control at this point. By the way, here's another story. This one from Israel. Okay? There are indications that individuals fully vaccinated against corona within six months or with the booster are also protected against Omicron, according to health minister Nitzan Horowitz. Another two cases were identified in Israel, bringing the total caseload to four. By the way, they've not released data so far on whether if you've had two doses, you're also safe. But here's what we know. If you are young and you've had two doses, generally speaking against Delta, for example, the booster only very, very mildly increases your protection against the virus in terms of hospitalization and death. It increases your your non-infection rate, but you weren't going to die or get hospitalized anyway. If you had two doses in your are 20, you're pretty much good to go. Okay, and there's no evidence to suggest that Omicron is somehow so much more deadly or hospital worthy than Delta when it comes to people who have had two doses and who are young. If you're over 60, you should have gotten boosted anyway. If you're under 40, you should probably get the vaccine. If you are between the ages of like 18 and 40, if you're like five, hmm, eh, Okay, but again, Omicron is not the issue here. The issue here is when you have a problem in the world and you have suggested, it's your, own, it's your own damn fault. When you guys keep suggesting over and over, you have the solutions. And then it turns out you can't solve the problem. You've made a George H.W. Bush, read my lips, no new taxes pledge, except about everything. You've done, read my lips, no new lockdowns, read my lips, no new mandates, read my lips, no new disease, read my lips, economic recovery. You're not making any of those things happen, my friends. And no matter how much the media try to spin in favor of you having more control, we don't want to give you more control because you're a failure. You guys are failures. Right now, the United States is weighing stricter coronavirus testing for all travelers to the United States, including, by the way, people who test negative. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about your sleep quality. So when I hop on my mattress at night, I want to be able to sleep. There's only one problem. I need a great set of sheets to top that mattress. It can't be just something that I picked up at the local Bed Bath & Beyond. It can't be just something you picked up at the local gas station where they're like, hey, look, it's got a 1 million thread count. The thread count doesn't matter. It's the material it's made from that matters. Bull & Branch knows this, which is why they make the best sheets on planet Earth. When you shop Bull & Branch during Cyber Week, you're supporting a family-run business that crafts the highest quality, toxin-free, pure organic cotton sheets. In fact, Bull & Branch was the first fair trade certified bedding brand, and they give fair pay to every one of their farmers and factory workers, Signature Hem Sheets. Those are the all-time bestseller. They're beloved for a ton of reasons. They get softer with every single wash. They're buttery soft lightweight made with 100% organic cotton weave that feels incredible in all seasons. They come with a wide range of colors in all sizes from twin all the way on up to California King. They're completely toxin-free, Fair trade certified. Again, those sheets are great and they get better with every single wash. We took all of our other sheets and we kind of tossed them. This Cyber Week, give your loved ones the best sleep of their lives or treat yourself with Bull and Branch. Their holiday packaging and famously soft sheets, blankets, and pillows will make a huge difference everyone can feel. Get 25% off from November 23rd through December 2nd with their best offer of the year at bullandbranch.com. That's 25% off at B-O-L-L-M Branch.com. Exclusions may apply. Okay, so you've got CNBC's Jim Cramer calling for the authoritarian notion that we are going to force every person in the United States to vax. That is not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Okay, again, Omicron does not change the ballgame so far as we know. And it's still not clear whether young people need a booster at all. Again, former FDA officials are still not convinced. They wrote in the Washington Post yesterday, they said, quote, the data does not show every healthy adult should get a booster. Indeed, the push for boosters for all could actually prolong the pandemic. First, such a campaign diverts focus away from the goal of persuading the unvaccinated to get their shots. Second, and relatedly, exaggerated descriptions of the waning efficacy of the vaccines undermine public confidence in them. Some people may be less likely to accept vaccines they regard as less effective than originally advertised. That happens to be true. Also, if you keep extending fully vaccinated to like third booster shots, fourth booster shots, you're gonna get a drop-off rate. Like I was number one in line to get the vaccine. Yeah, I love the vaccines. I think that they are a, a medical miracle. I got the vaccines like as soon as I possibly could okay, back in February. Like I got the vaccines. And um, am I all that interested in getting a booster? Not particularly because I don't see a, a, a real necessity to do it. I'm 37 years old. Thank God in excellent health. And um, my parents are already triple vaxxed. So I, I feel no great necessity to, to go get boosted. But Again, it's about the control. It's about the idea that they can control something that they can't control. And they must have the panic. So you have the NIH director calling for greater alarm over Omicron. I, who hired these do i I'm reading these South African doctors who said that uh, these are mild cases. Um, they cause fatigue and that's about it. A lot of people being treated at home. I, I, I see no great cause for alarm based on that that early reporting. What, what am I missing about this story? So I've been on Zoom calls with the leaders of the South African public health system. They're worried that that may have been a premature declaration of mildness of the illness because most of the early cases were in college students who tend not to get very sick anyway. So let's hold off on that before concluding that this is not a virus that can cause people to get sick enough to be in the hospital. Okay, I just want to pause for a moment on the fact that he says college students don't really get sick from this. He's right. But are you allowed to say that now? Are we allowed to say that? Because um, I've been told that we're not allowed to say that, even though that's 100% true. So he's saying we need to worry more, worry more. The Biden administration is worrying more because again, they have to keep that implicit promise that they can control all bad things in life. According to the Washington Post, the Biden administration is preparing stricter testing requirements for all travelers entering entering the United States, including returning Americans to curb the spread of potentially dangerous Omicron. According to three federal health officials, As part of an enhanced winter COVID strategy, it's like pumpkin spice latte or something. It's an enhanced winter COVID strategy. Biden is expected to announce Thursday, U.S. officials would require everyone entering the country to be tested one day before boarding flights, regardless of vax status or country of departure. So if you go abroad as an American, they will force you to get a test, even if you're vaxed. And by the way, even if you come up negative, they're going to force you to quarantine. Administration officials are considering a requirement that all travelers get retested within three to five days of arrival, and they would require all travelers, including U.S. citizens, to self-quarantine for seven days, even if their results are negative. And if you flout the requirements, you would be subject to fines and penalties. So if you are an American and you travel abroad for business, you have to get tested before you get back on the plane. If you end up positive, you can't get on the plane. If you end up negative... They will still force you to quarantine when you come back into the United States for seven days after getting the vaccine. And this is their way of doing what exactly? Seriously, what? Nothing that you guys have done in this entire pandemic has stopped the spread of the virus. It's endemic. There is no herd immunity for it. It's endemic. It's changing their new variants. It's like the flu. Have we done any of this crap for the flu? No, because it's ineffective. It's not useful. But again, the, the promise of the media is that these people can solve all your problems and they cannot solve all your problems. This is the problem. And so what do you have? Now you have the media trying to gin up enthusiasm for this stuff by suggesting that Americans are all deeply worried. Here's the thing, we're not. We're not. Okay, most of us are just not. We're ready to go back to life. Virtually all Americans who are not under living under the thumb of blue governments are ready to go back to real life and already have months ago. My family and I, we've been living free and easy here in the state of Florida since we moved here. That was October of 2020. And we've been living super free and easy since February, March, when everyone in my family was fully vaxxed. Since then, four sheets to the wind, man. And guess what? That is most people who are, who are of any rational mind at this point. But the me- it is so much about the media. It's so much about the media. The message is always that we, the elites, must control you. And so you end up with pieces like this, quote, this is from the Washington Post. Children five and older now have a coronavirus vaccine. But many parents of younger children are still anxiously waiting. Are they, though? Are they? So I have three children, seven, five, one and a half. Um, Have I been anxiously waiting for the vaccine? Again, I'm a huge fan of the vaccines. Have I been anxiously waiting? No, because I can read data. You think I'm like anxious to jab my one and a half year old with with a COVID vaccine that has not been sufficiently tested on small children, that has no longitudinal data whatsoever? To prevent my, my tiny baby from getting a disease that will do nothing to her by the stats? Like, who are these people? So what, this is what the media do. They find a couple of anecdotes of paranoid crazies. And they're like, these people have been desperately waiting for a vaccine. And until these people can get vaccinated, you must mask up and your children must mask up and we must all panic. According to Lindsay Bever at the Washington Post, even with the recent authorization of a COVID vaccine for children aged five to 11, many parents and grandparents are still in limbo anxiously awaiting shots for younger children. When's the last time in human history, seriously, that parents and grandparents were like, you know what we have to do? We have to jab our babies to protect us. You know how ridiculous that sounds? It should sound ridiculous because it is ridiculous. All you guys have been able to get the vax. The hell are you talking about? What are you talking about? Although children are less likely to suffer disease, says the the Washington Post, they can still contract and transmit the virus to others. Those who test positive must quarantine. And children may even have to stay home from daycare or preschool when their classmates become ill after exposure to the virus. This forces parents to find alternative childcare or take time off from work to care for them, which some families say has become common. Well, there's only one problem. Even if you get the vax, people are still passing the virus. And by the way, that decision that if, you, if, if a kid in your class tests positive, everybody has to go home. That is a policy decision. It is not a realistic science-based decision. No one does this with the flu. No one does this with colds. And when you're talking about diseases that affect kids, are sick all the time. I have three of them. They're always sick. The chances at any given time during a year that one of my kids is sick is 193%. This is true for every parent, but we're supposed to act like crazies. Why? Because you got a bunch of paranoid parents who will talk to the Washington Post. Diana Joaquim, a 31-year-old in Columbus, Ohio, and mother of a two-year-old said, quote, it's nice that five to 11-year-olds have this option, but we're just sort of sitting here and twiddling our thumbs and thinking, when are we going to be protected? When can we keep our son safe and ourselves safe? Now, now is when you can do it, because your kid is two. Your kid is safe. What in the, if you generate enough panic among people, you can control them until the end of time. You can control them and control them and control them. And this is the theme The media will do this on everything from COVID to finances. We'll get to finances in just one second. They're doing the same routine. First, let's talk about crypto. So I'm a crypto fan. I own Bitcoin. I own Ethereum. I believe that the central governments of the world should not have the sole ability to define the worth of your money, which is what they can do with centralized currencies. And a hedge against that is crypto, which, again, is independent of the central banks. With an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. Get into investing in crypto. You can do it in a tax-advantaged retirement account. Alto's Crypto IRA is the easy way to get crypto into an IRA. You can trade all you want without the tax headache. You can create an account in just a few minutes. You can invest with as little as 10 bucks. No setup charges. There's secure trading available 24-7 through Alto's integration with Coinbase. They have 80-plus coins available, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. If you want some sushi swap with your Bitcoin, no problem. Alto has you covered. They've got industry-leading security, the advanced encryption standard for wallets and private keys as well. They've got multiple ways to fund your account. You can do it with a cash contribution, a transfer cash from an existing IRA. You can roll over an old 401k. Open an Alto crypto IRA account with as little as 10 bucks. Go to altoira.com slash Ben. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Ben. Go to altoira.com slash Ben to get started. Alrighty, this week, Matt Walsh announced his career change. He used to be. Merely a cynical podcast host. Now, he's a beloved children's author. He's like Mr. Rogers of cynicism. He's debuted his new book, Johnny the Walrus. The book was so successful, it already sold out everywhere. But you can reserve your copy at johnnythewalrus.com. Get your hands on the next batch that is shipping out soon. Johnny the Walrus. It's an exhilarating, inspiring tale of a young boy who pretends he's a walrus. It's all pretend until mommy and her yoga class begin to believe that perhaps Johnny is a walrus. And his mom starts to believe she has to uphold his trans walrus identity. If you know Matt's brain, you will um, laugh hysterically reading this to your kids or not to your kids or handing it to a relative who needs to know about the, the struggles of those with a trans walrus identity. Head on over to johnnythewalrus.com. Reserve your copy of Matt's timely masterpiece, Johnny the Walrus, today. Also, if you haven't already, go check out our brand new comedy series, Truth Yeller, hosted by comedian and podcaster, Adam Carolla, over at Daily Wire, Dot com slash watch In each episode of Truth Yeller, Adam invites a celebrity guest to join him for an evening of stand-up comedy, improv, and interview, all in front of a maskless live audience. The first two episodes are available right now. The first episode stars none other than Jay Leno. Adam's most recent episode dropped on Monday. It's titled Unacceptable Aromas on Airplanes and When to Pour Beer into Your Lap. In this episode, Adam gets a little offensive, tells a lot of truth, and sets the record straight on no smoking laws. Rob Riggle, the comedian from 21 Jump Street and Step Brothers, joins him to do a little stand-up of his own, and the live audience loses it when Adam gets an improv request he cannot refuse. So head on over right now, catch up on our new series over at dailywire.com slash watch, and enjoy. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty, so meanwhile, the media, which again, they have a vested interest in the idea that the government solves all of your problems. They are fighting mad that their members of the government who actually would like the government to butt out of your business. So right now, the Republicans are considering the possibility of pushing the Democrats to get rid of the VAX mandate in order so they can pass their new debt ceiling increase. Okay, this is a good idea, because frankly, Democrats need to have their feet held to the fire on this. The Democrats have been embracing these VAX mandates via OSHA. They've not been forced to a vote on it yet. And so the Democrats, who had like pretty much six weeks to figure out this whole reconciliation debt ceiling thing, and then they just didn't do it, they, they waited until the last minute again. And now Republicans are holding them. They're squeezing them. According to Politico, conservatives on both sides of the Capitol are privately plotting to force a government shutdown Friday in an effort to defund the Biden administration's vaccine mandate. No, no, no. They're not plotting to force a government shutdown. They're plotting to force the end of the vax mandate. And Biden can choose. Capitalizing on a last-minute scramble to fund the government, a group of Senate conservatives is planning to object to quick consideration of a stopgap measure to extend funding into early 2022, unless Democratic leaders agree to deny money to enforce the mandate. Because of the tight schedule and Senate rules that require unanimous consent to move quickly, the senators believe they will be able to drag out the process well past midnight Friday when funding officially expires. Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah, Full disclosure, I'm friendly with Senator Lee because he's a terrific senator. He says, I'm sure we would all like to simplify the process for resolving the CR, but I can't facilitate that without addressing the VAX mandates. Given that federal courts across the country have raised serious issues with these mandates, it's not unreasonable for my Democratic colleagues to delay enforcement of the mandates for at least the length of the continuing resolution. It's unclear how many Senate conservatives are willing to follow through on the shutdown threat, but apparently... Fifteen Republicans have signed a letter spearheaded by Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas in early November vowing to use all means at our disposal to block passage of a continuing resolution that doesn't stop implementation of a VAX mandate. Now, here's the thing. If Democrats had started on the continuing resolution three weeks ago, they'd be fine. They didn't. They waited until the last moment. Again, because Democrats have no intention of actually preventing a government shutdown. They just want to spend all the money and rope Republicans into approving it. They did this last time. Republicans gave them another Another stay of execution. And then Mitch McConnell said, we're not doing this again. And Democrats were like, well, what if we just push it to the last minute again? The strategy, according to Politico, means the government will likely shut down for several days, even if appropriators strike a bipartisan agreement to extend funding by the end of today. A Senate Democratic leadership staffer told Playbook, without an agreement to truncate the timeline, the Senate would need at least five days to process the continuing resolution. That would mean a brief shutdown ending Sunday at the earliest, but possibly dragging into next week if a deal is not reached. Today, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer appeared to nod to the possibility of trouble, seeking to preemptively blame the GOP. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell predicted Tuesday, we won't shut down, arguing, quote, nobody should be concerned about a government shutdown. The issue came up in the Senate GOP lunch on Tuesday. So here's the thing, the Democrats control both houses of Congress. So all they have to do to prevent a government shutdown is they could initiate the continuing resolution today and use reconciliation use one of the bullets in their chamber to simply pass the continuing resolution. You'd have a government shutdown that lasts about 24 hours without Republican approval. And they could do that. Or they could try to drag this out on behalf of a vax mandate that is increasingly unpopular with the American public. So Chuck Todd, of course, you know which side he's gonna come down on. He's gonna come down on the side of, "I I love vax mandates, and I also love Democrats. And so Republicans are the problem here, even though Democrats run both the House and the Senate. Here is Chuck Todd over on MSNBC. Aren't all members of Congress, folks, come on, members of Congress, aren't you embarrassed by the silliness of this debt limit thing that we go through, this shenanigan? Just shame on all of you. Shame. Come on. Particularly Republicans. You're playing games this time. I know the Democrats play games, but enough of this. This is stupid. Enough of it. Enough. It's so stupid. It's it's stupid. Really, because uh, the Democrats did it when Republicans were in office. They also negotiated over the debt ceiling. It's pretty common, politics, at this point. And Democrats can move forward with this anytime they want. But they were the ones who decided to delay all of this, specifically so they can then try and blame Republicans for it. Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, says, oh, we have to pay our bills. We have to pay our bills. Oh, I have an idea how you could pay your bills. You know, uh, a great way. Not spending trillions more dollars all the damn time. That would be a good way to start paying your bills. There are two decisions facing Congress that could send our economy in very different directions. The first is the debt limit. I cannot... overstate how critical it is that Congress address this issue. America must pay its bills on time and in full. If we do not, we will eviscerate our current recovery. Um, So I again, would, would recommend a little fiscal responsibility would go a long way here. At no point has Janet Yellen suggested perhaps we should spend a little bit less money. In fact, Janet Yellen lies. She says the build back better won't increase the national debt despite the fact the CBO says precisely the opposite. Build Back Better is the right economic decision for many reasons. It will, for example, end the child care crisis in this country, letting parents return to work. These investments we expect will lead to a GDP increase over the long term without increasing the national debt or deficit by a dollar. Okay, uh, uh, these people lie. They lie, they lie, they lie. And then they're like, oh, yes, by the way, we need to pay our debts. They're just liars. They're just liars. But here's the thing. The media continue to lie for them, continue to cover up for them. These are the normal people. These are the people who should be in control of your life. It ain't about Chris Cuomo. It's about all of you, all of you. And you know what? Keep doing it because frankly, we here at The Daily Wire, we are happy to eat your lunch as more and more people continue to look elsewhere for better sources of news. Already, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show that's available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Andrew Clavin Show, the Michael Moles Show, and the Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager Pavel Widowski. Associate producer Bradford Carrington. Post producer Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. A CNBC anchor calls for martial law until everyone is vaxxed. The Supreme Court hears a case that could overturn Roe versus Wade and hipster Rasputin quits Twitter. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.